you can live out your MasterChef dreams. When you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Tonight on The Readout. It was a home. It was not just for the LGBTQIA+. It was for everybody. You know, um, the... We're a welcoming community, you know. We are learning more about the mass shooting that left five people dead at a welcoming haven for LGBTQ people in the heart of Colorado's most conservative city. The murders follow months of toxic rhetoric from the right, targeting LGBTQ people with words like grooming and genital mutilation. Also tonight, Samuel Alito was indignant over the leak of the Dobbs ruling earlier this year. But here comes the plot twist. He's now being accused of leaking a previous ruling that was also highly anticipated by conservatives. And in the Georgia Senate runoff, one former president is being welcomed with open arms, while another is being told to stay far, far away. Can you guess which is which? We begin tonight with the horrific tragedy in Colorado Springs, Colorado, where we are learning more about the lives stolen in Saturday night's mass shooting at an LGBTQ club the suspected gunman was arrested and faces preliminary charges of five counts of first-degree murder and five hate crimes charges. A short time ago, local officials provided an update on those who lost their lives. We strive to give the victims the dignity and respect that they deserve, as well as shine the light of public attention on the victims. Therefore, we are identifying them now. Please know that while all of the victims' families have been notified, they are suffering a horrific loss. So, I ask everyone who is listening to keep them in your thoughts and show them the care and heartfelt compassion that they deserve. Among the victims identified by Colorado Springs Police tonight, Kelly Loving, Derek Rump, and Raymond Vance Green. Family had already identified Daniel Aston, a transgender man who worked at the club, Club Q, as a bartender and moved to the area two years ago as one of the deceased. And Ashley Paw, who was not a member of the LGBTQ community and came with a friend to see a stand-up comedian. 19 others were injured, a toll that could have been higher, had two Club Q patrons not rushed into action. Officials identified them as Thomas James and Richard Fierro. Fierro, a military veteran who was at the club with his wife and children, told the New York Times he rushed the gunman and pulled him to the floor and jumped on top of him. Fierro then grabbed the pistol the gunman had with him alongside the rifle that he'd used in the massacre and hit him in the head until he was subdued. He and a second patron, presumably James, held the suspect until police arrived. Fierro told the Times he went into combat mode adding that during the ensuing fight, he yelled for, uh, for other patrons to help him. A man grabbed the rifle and moved it away to safety, and a drag dancer stomped on the gunman with her high heels. The suspect, identified by authorities as Anderson Lee Aldrich, remains in custody at a local hospital. He's being held without bond. Formal charges have not been filed yet. Saturday's violence has devastated Colorado Springs' small but vibrant LGBTQ community. An attack on a loving and inclusive space in an intensely conservative city that's home to several military installations and a longtime mecca for evangelical Christians. It's the headquarters of the right-wing Christian organizations Focus on the Family and the Family Research Institute. The latter has been identified by the Southern Poverty Law Center as an anti-LGBTQ hate group. 
The horror came the night before Club Q was set to hold an all-ages drag brunch to celebrate Transgender Day of Remembrance, honoring victims of anti-trans violence amid a disturbing spike fueled by anti-trans rhetoric from the right-wing media and from Republican politicians. As the community mourns the victims, Colorado Governor Jared Polis, the first openly gay man elected governor in the United States, ordered flags lowered for five days to honor the victims. As witnesses recounted the loss of their friends and a refuge torn apart in minutes. I saw bodies on the floor. Blood, shattered glass, broken cups, people covered up in white sheets. Now our safe space is gone. How are we supposed to feel safe? Is there anywhere you feel safe? I don't know anymore. This is a hard city to live in already, so waking up to something this um, in your face is just a reminder of the hate that we live with in this city every day and the love that we need to fight it with. Joining me now is Colorado State Representative Brianna Titone and Barbara McQuaid, former U.S. attorney who is now a law professor at the University of Michigan and an MSNBC legal analyst. I do want to um, get to you, um, Representative Titone, but I, I want to just go to Barbara really quick. because There's a couple of things just in that setup that I w- would love for you to clarify. Uh, number one, um, the charges being preliminary. Can you explain very quickly why they would be preliminary and what will be the delay? Frequently, when there's a reactive case like this, the police want to just get some basic charges so that the person can be held and proceed to court uh, without delay. They certainly don't want to release him, and there has to be a pending charge to be able to hold somebody uh, in custody. But a prosecutor will want to investigate the case a little bit further to make sure these are the charges uh, that he or she does indeed want to pursue. And so I, I imagine that I- at some point, either these identical charges will be formally uh, charged, not preliminarily, uh, but a more uh, a formal charge, uh, or perhaps additional charges may be filed. If they determine, for example, that uh, the gunman was prohibited from possessing weapons uh, because of a prior felony conviction or something like that, there could be additional charges filed as well. So this is just pending further investigation so that they can get their arms around all of the important facts here. And why no mugshot yet, do you think? Well, there has been a push in um, the government, certainly in the federal government, not to circulate mugshots because of the presumption of innocence that is afforded to everyone who is accused of a crime. I know when we have reprehensible crimes like this, uh, we have an instinct to um, want the person to be convicted immediately, uh, but every person is entitled to a due process and a fair trial. And so there is a sense that when you publish a mugshot, it could taint a jury pool because oftentimes the person is shown uh, in prison garb or, uh, you know, with uh, bruises and cuts and the like that can make the person look, quote, like a criminal. And so sometimes uh, those are held back at least for a while so that the jury pool is not tainted. Well, we know in this case, this man was uh, beaten with his own gun by one of the patrons, a heroic patron uh, that, that that stopped him from killing more people. Let me go to you, State Representative um, Titone, um, and I hope that I'm pronouncing your name right. And if I'm not, please correct me. Um, you are yourself a history maker in the state, my former growing up state of Colorado, um, as the first openly trans legislator, your third termer representing district, the great district ter- uh, 27, a place I know very well, Jefferson County and Arvada. 
um, and you're going to be the first transgender lawmaker in leadership. So I, I imagine that this uh, crime feels very personal to you. So I'm just going to let you talk. How are you feeling today? How is the community feeling today? Yeah, well, thanks for having me on and for being able to talk about this. Um, you know, this was a complete shock to so many of us. Uh, when I woke up yesterday morning, it was just, you know, an influx of communications uh, coming into me about what had happened and uh, what was continuing to go on and what we could do and how do we respond. And just, you know, being from Jefferson County, not being from Colorado Springs, uh, there wasn't a lot that I could do, immediately do, but a lot of my colleagues who are, represent that area uh, did a really good job of being there for the community as well as the city council and uh, and even the majority, the uh, minority leader and the assistant minority leader, uh, newly elected, were uh, very gracious to uh, send text messages to uh, the, the majority caucus and to me personally uh, to say that this was a reprehensible event that uh, they denounced, which was really nice to hear. Um, but, you know, this is uh, something that we really need to, to put a, put the brakes on. Uh, Colorado has seen so many of these attacks uh, in many different places. And uh, this one is a sacred place for the LGBT community. And uh, it's hit the community pretty hard. But we're resilient and uh, we're strong. And a lot of the people who were there uh, have been saying that. And uh, we need to stand together and really uh, stand up for each other and, and give us uh, the love that we need. You know, I, I wish that I had been more surprised uh, at what happened. I mean, we've seen just relentless attacks, um, uh, particularly on trans Americans, including trans children, um, for politics. Um, people like your fellow Coloradan, Lauren Boebert, who offered her thoughts and prayers today. But she's been one of the people doing it because she also is associated at least somehow with this QAnon belief system, which is very focused uh, on LGBTQ, especially T. Um, what do you make of for the trans community, does it feel like this was, in a sense, inevitable because of the attacks and the way trans people have been targeted by conservative politicians in this country, not just with rhetoric, but with policy? Well, you know, this it, there's a lot we still don't know about what the motivations were uh, of the criminal who did this. But the timing of the event and the location of the event uh, is very telling. Uh, of a motivation in the way I see it. Um, but yeah, there's been attack after attack after attack in the, the state houses around the country. Uh, there's been dozens and dozens of laws, many of which have been put into effect and singling out trans people and, and the LGBT community at large in many cases. And this has just been going on for years and it's gotten worse and worse. So it's not a surprise to me and to a lot of other people that uh, we're at this point where uh, a violent attack is happening and uh, it's happening at a place like this because this has been brewing for a long time. 
And, you know, Barb, let's talk about the, 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 the law here and how it's going to respond. Colorado has actually been one of the more proactive states in strengthening its gun laws. It's also been home to um, some of history's worst mass shootings, going all the way back to Columbine, uh, the Aurora Theater shooting. So Colorado has had a very dark history with this. But Colorado actually changed its bias-motivated crime law last year. So now bias motivation only needs to be part of the offender's motivation in committing the crime. It's a class four felony under Colorado law. And, and then there's this other piece about red flag laws. So last June, last summer, Anderson Lee Aldrich allegedly threatened his mother with a homemade bomb. Um, there was no record that anyone moved forward with charges, that authorities would move forward with charges. But in your view, given that Colorado is actually a pretty good state when it comes to its gun laws, is there anything that in your mind Colorado should be thinking about that could make this harder to do other than, you know, maybe not having 22-year-olds being able to buy assault assault. We don't know what kind of weapon it was, but your thoughts. Yeah, I think the solution needs to be, you know, both law and policy. I think when we have someone who turns up with a red flag, as uh, this perpetrator may have, what's the response? Okay, you've flagged him. Now what? You can't arrest somebody who hasn't committed a crime uh, just because they may appear to be dangerous. Uh, and so what do you do with that information? I think that's where the intervention piece comes in, uh, making sure people get the kind of mental health that they need, reducing the taboos around mental health. And so I think thinking a little more holistically about not just what we do uh, to identify people who might be a risk, uh, but what we do to help them uh, to reduce the risk of this happening. I also think that we still need to look at our gun laws. Assault rifles like the one used in this attack are weapons designed for one thing, and that is to kill people. They're used in war, uh, but using them on the streets really has no purpose other than to kill other human beings. There is a, you know, a, 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 a segment of society that believes we need to have assault weapons so that we can rebel against our own government. That is not something that is protected by the Constitution, and I think we should take more proactive steps to reduce these kinds of assault weapons that can, you know, it wouldn't have stopped him from entering that club, but it may have stopped him sure. from killing five people with just a handgun. I'm going to give you the last word, Representative Titone. I know it's too early because, I'll, you know, people haven't even been buried. We don't even know what the final uh, death toll will be. But do you think that, that yourself and other representatives will rethink gun laws in the state of Colorado after this? Well, there's a lot of unanswered questions that we still need to answer. Uh, and, you know, when we see that there's flaws in the things that we've done, uh, we'll look at those and look at those very carefully to see if there's ways that we can strengthen the laws that we already have. Uh, we have an Office of Gun Violence Prevention, and we want to make sure that we are doing all the data-driven ideas that we have and, uh, and not be too reactionary and be thoughtful in the things that we do. Uh, to make sure we don't have any unintended consequences. Thank you so much for being here, Colorado State Representative Brianna Titone and our uh, friend of the show, Barbara McQuaid. Thank you very much, both of you, for being here. And up next on The Readout, we are hearing thoughts and prayers from some of the very same people on the right who have been targeting LGBTQ people politically and very personally in very mean ways for years. Stay with us. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Today and every day, Planned Parenthood is committed to ensuring that everyone has the information and resources they need to make their own decisions about their bodies, including abortion care. 
lawmakers who oppose abortion are attacking Planned Parenthood, which means affordable, high-quality, basic health care for more than 2 million people is at stake. The right to control our bodies and get the health care we need has been stolen from us. And now, politicians in nearly every state have introduced bills that would block people from getting the sexual and reproductive care they need. Planned Parenthood believes everyone deserves health care. It's a human right. That's why they fight every day to push for common-sense policies that protect our right to control our own bodies and against policies that interfere with decisions between patients and their doctor. Planned Parenthood needs your support now more than ever. With supporters like you, we can reclaim our rights and protect and expand access to abortion care. Visit PlannedParenthood.org future. That's PlannedParenthood.org future. The second mass shooting at an LGBTQ club, what is supposed to be a safe haven, comes during an onslaught of Republican legislation targeting gay and especially trans people throughout the country. The term groomer is an age-old, vulgar stereotype that LGBTQ people and their allies are pedophiles. That has reemerged, and it's merged with the QAnon cult that has taken hold inside the Republican Party's evangelical base to become the scare tactic du jour, helping to drum up support for bills and book bans that attempt to target, to isolate, and to demonize this community. The rhetoric goes even further. If you even mention sexual orientation or sexuality or the existence of gay people, well, according to the Republican right, you too are a groomer. The Democrat Party is the party of child abuse. It's the party that represents grooming children and sexualizing them in school. And it is a disturbing trend in our society to try to sexualize these young people. The official position of Disney is that schools should be able to teach Children from K through third grade about sexual orientation? I don't, why not just rename the roller coaster, you know, Sex Mountain? Come on, kids, it'll be a blast. The most transgressive sex of all is sex between an adult and a child. Uh, we have to call this out for what it is. Remember, how many genders are there? Two genders, that's right. There are two genders. We are proud of it. We'll scream it from the rooftops. Joining me now is Brandon Wolf, Press Secretary for Equality Florida. He is a survivor of the Pulse nightclub shooting. And Dr. David Johns, Executive Director of the National Black Justice Coalition. I want to start with you, Brandon. I cannot imagine uh, what your thoughts were when you saw the news um, that this has happened again uh, in another city, just like it happened to you and your friends. I'm just going to let you give us your reaction. Yeah, thank you, Joy. Uh, and I'm I'm angry tonight. I, I'm angry because... This is what we warned would happen. This is what we warned would be the inevitable consequence of unmitigated, unbridled hate in this country. Now, you just saw what's been happening for the last few years. Right-wing grifters, including politicians like Ron DeSantis and Greg Abbott, they've been spewing this vile, hateful rhetoric about LGBTQ people. They've been trafficking in some of the oldest, darkest tropes against our community. They've been accusing us of posing a threat to children simply because we exist on planet Earth. And we warned them that inevitably this would result in violence, but they just couldn't help themselves. They couldn't help themselves from crafting one more fundraising email or hitting send on one more grotesque tweet. They couldn't help themselves as the temperature around the country continued to rise, as young people told us that life was getting less and less safe for them. They couldn't help themselves as armed protesters started showing up 
at drag shows across the country or when white supremacists were being arrested outside of pride festivals. They couldn't help themselves when children's hospitals in Boston and other cities were getting bomb threats, having to install airport security terminals to keep people safe. They couldn't help themselves when a donut shop was firebombed for daring to advertise a drag show. And now five people went to a space that was supposed to be safe for them, a space like the one I knew well at Pulse Nightclub, and they came out in body bags. Dozens of people were injured, scars they're going to carry forever. An entire community was terrorized. They paid the price for this short-sighted, cynical, and sinister hate that these people have been pumping into the ecosystem. I am angry because I am tired of asking, of begging, of screaming and scratching and clawing for people to just see us as human. See us as your family members, your neighbors, your friends. Please, I am begging you to treat us with a basic level of decency and respect. I'm angry because we deserve to live. Those people deserve to live, Joy. Yeah, man, you have a right to be angry. You have every right to be angry, David. I'm going to let you in here to the very point that Brandon made. Um, these are the states that have like put into law. And, and Ron DeSantis is like front of the line, like racing with Greg Abbott and other governors and Youngkin to get to the front of doing book bans, targeting both black history books, but really digging in on books by gay people and about gay people, limiting student athletes where they can play in at least 21 states, excluding coverage of medical care for um, from Medicaid coverage for trans kids, making it illegal, illegal to teach about gender identity in elementary schools. That's Florida. At least seven states, Alabama, Arkansas, Arizona, Florida, Kentucky, Tennessee, Texas, have all passed two or more of these restrictions. And I'll throw it to you, David Johns, with this note. Greg Abbott rode this kind of rhetoric to get reelected, even winning in the district that had Uvalde. So people are more interested in these like culture wars than they are in safety. Yeah, putting politics over people. Uh, and that is not an unsurprising play when we think about the way in which conservative rights uh, or the Republican Party have been weaponizing weapons of mass distraction and weapons of mass destruction to cause this pernicious form of hate. Uh, this doesn't happen in isolation. As Brandon said, I'm also mad as hell, in part because we should not be surprised, right? This is what happens when we don't allow or encourage critical thinking in schools or in our communities. This is what happens when we weaponize hate and call it religious freedom. This is what happens when we allow uh, those political bullies who are in power, like the lieutenant governor of North Carolina, to stand in the pulpit of a black church and call LGBTQ kids garbage. Uh, This is what happens when we uh, have politicians that don't prioritize content moderation and allow the proliferation of hate to take place. Uh, Toni Morrison, our sister, my ancestor, talks a lot about uh, words are things. They get into your curtains. They can live within you. And it's important for us to think about the fact that if we can't get over our fear of saying gay and of speaking truth to full power, we should expect to be here again at some point very soon. Yeah. And Toni Morrison, whose books are also banned in places like Virginia uh, on under these same laws. Anti-gay hate crimes. The Center for the Study of Hate and Extremism um, at Cal State San Bernardino said in 2021 compared to 2020, anti-gay hate crimes have risen 51 percent in major cities. Um, there have been recent attacks on a New York City gay bar with bricks thrown through the windows. Um, you've got even attacks on su- synagogues. It's spreading like all the groups who get targeted are getting. Um, and I just want to before 
or just to go on, because I don't think most people have ever seen one. I've been to one with kids there, with like kids there. I want to show you guys what drag queen story hours look like, because there was a drag show at, that was supposed to be at this club uh, when this attack happened. I just want those who don't know what they look like to see what one looks like. This is cut two. Please play this. The hair. So a lot of drag queens have really big, big, big hair. So the hair on the drag queen goes up, up, up. So you can put your hands on your head like this and go up, up, up. So the hair on the drag queen goes up, 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 up. The hair on the drag queen goes up, 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 all through the town. Good job. And, you know, it it makes me sad, Brandon, that that scares right wing people so much that they would try to ban it or your governor sued people over it. And then people act surprised when there's violence against people who are trans and LGBTQ. Your thoughts? Yeah, you're absolutely right. I mean, ask people around this country what they're most concerned about, and they want to be able to put food on the table for Thanksgiving dinner. They want to be able to put gas in their car. And yet we have an entire political party that's being held hostage by those who are made uncomfortable or seem to find their insecurities rooted in a drag queen sharing how tall her wig is. If people wearing a wig reading Redfish, Bluefish at your public library is the most concerning thing happening in your community, I would say you've probably got it pretty easy. We have a lot of problems in this country, but that person you just saw on the screen is not one of them. And these people should be absolutely ashamed of themselves that their rhetoric, that their vile language has turned into violence in a community that is now traumatized forever. And Dr. David Johns is saying amen. I'm out of time, but I'm gonna let you say amen real quick. You don't have much time. Say amen if you want to, or one one quick final thought. Amen, amen. That's it. I just want to talk about it again. 12-year high increase in hate crime. This is our fault, and it's all preventable. Amen. Uh, Brandon Wolf and Dr. David Johns, thank you both very much. And still ahead, new questions about our apparently leaky Supreme Court. Senate Democrats are now investigating a whistleblower's claims about behind the scenes lobbying and disclosures that would land any other federal judge in hot water. Not this one. We'll be right back. You can live out your MasterChef dreams when you find a professional on Angie to tackle your dream kitchen remodel. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. With the Internet's best converting checkout, 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers. In fact, Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash podcast free. All lowercase, shopify.com slash podcast free, shopify.com slash podcast free. Justice Samuel Alito sold himself as a cautious judge with a respectful precedent, the magical stare decisis. Well, we've come to learn that how much of a farce that was, how much of a farce that was all along, by the way. I mean, he was exactly who his opponents believed he was, a pugnacious social conservative with an activist agenda. 
On Saturday, in The New York Times, a former anti-abortion faith leader accused Alito of leaking the verdict in the 2014 Burwell versus Hobby Lobby case to religious activists. The case allowed privately held companies to object on religious grounds to a provision of the Obamacare law that requires employers to provide health insurance that includes contraception coverage. The leader, Reverend Rob Schenck, who has recanted his anti-abortion views, said he was told of the outcome weeks before it was announced. He then used the information to prepare his PR campaign and tipped off the president of Hobby Lobby. Shank says that the Hobby Lobby decision was shared with only a handful of advocates. Shank said that he was privy to the information after working for years to infiltrate the rarefied world of the court through wealthy donors from the religious right, including Don and Gail Wright, two wealthy evangelical donors who dined with Justice Alito and his wife. Shank says they were the ones who told him about the ruling. The New York Times reviewed a string of contemporaneous emails and conversations that seemed to support its claims. The Hobby Lobby decision was the conservative court's first major signal that it was willing to pursue an aggressively political right-wing religious agenda when it comes to reproductive rights. And we all know how that ended. Justice Alito issued a statement in response to the claims, writing, quote, the allegation that the rights were told of the outcome of the decision in the Hobby Lobby case or the authorship of the opinion of the court by me or my wife is completely false. Now, it's unknown whether he issued the statement while twirling a sinister mustache. But we do know that being the hand that extinguished Roe v. Wade has emboldened Alito, who as he was who as he was gleefully and condescendingly writing his Dobbs decision that overturned half a century of precedent, called Roe egregiously wrong in a weak argument. And to add insult to injury, he cited centuries old common law categorizing a woman who received an abortion after quickening as a murderess. And then he took a victory lap. I had the honor this term of writing, I think, the only Supreme Court decision in the history of that institution that has been lambasted by a whole string of foreign leaders (laughs) who felt perfectly fine commenting on American law. One of these was uh, former Prime Minister Boris Johnson. But he paid the price. (laughs) Joining me now is Ellie Mastal, justice correspondent for The Nation. And on a scale of one to ten, my friend, uh, with one being, nah, he didn't do it, and ten being, oh, yeah, he did it. How likely is it now that Alito is the one who leaked the Dobbs decision? (laughs) Does this microphone go all the way up to 11, Joy? (laughs) Um, Look, the Supreme Court has been an ethical disaster ever since John Roberts took over in 2005, right? The Supreme Court is the only court in the land that operates without ethics rules. And these Supreme Court justices have been wilding out ever since Roberts took over the conservative side. Because if you are part of the Federalist Society industrial complex, it is very easy to get access to these judges. And the thing that's really, I think, explosive from Shank's allegations is not just how easy it was for him to get access, but what they were actually trying to do, right? If you listen to what he was saying, he was saying they weren't trying to convince them. You don't have to convince these people. They're already on your side. He was trying to temper them. He was trying to steal their resolve. Basically, Basically, what these right wing forces try to do to the justices is to get them to be the worst versions of themselves. And we've seen this for years. We saw it in Hobby Lobby. We saw it in in the Bruin decision on guns. We saw it in Shelby County on voting rights. We obviously saw it in Dobbs on abortion rights. This goes all the way back to Citizens United. 
when Alito, Mr. Fact-Resistant Samuel Alito, is out there telling the president of the United States, Barack Obama, not true when Obama is explaining exactly how terrible his Hobby Lobby decision will end up being. So this goes back a long way. And I think all of it lays at the feet of John Roberts. Joy, here, I, I did, I brought a prop. I, I wrote down all of the ethics rules John Roberts has promulgated since 2005. That's it right there, right? Here, really oh. quickly. Here all mm. the here's John Roberts's response to mm. me too. That's that's that. Mm -hmm. Here here's what John mm. Roberts says about whether or not your spouse can uh, participate in an insurrection. Right here. Mm. This is the Roberts mm -hmm. courts. This corruption is its legacy. You could add one more thing, because they also lie. I mean, first of all, the other piece of it is that it's clear that the leaks are designed to allow the right wing infrastructure to do the PR in advance of them ripping away these rights and sending us back to the 19th century. They want to give them a PR opportunity to get ahead of it so they can do their messaging. And, and it seems to me that they did the same thing when they were being confirmed, these right wing judges on this court, on the Roberts court. Let me just play you a little montage of them lying to get their seats in the first place. Roe versus Wade is a, an important precedent of the Supreme Court. It was decided in 1973, so it's been on the books for a long time. So a good judge will consider it as precedent of the United States Supreme Court, worthy as treatment of precedent like any other. And one of the important things to keep in mind about Roe v. Wade is that it has been reaffirmed many times over the past uh, 45 years. Roe is not a super precedent because calls for its overruling have never ceased, but that doesn't mean that Roe should be overruled. I think there's no question that they were lying and that they knew they were lying and that they had an agenda to come on and get rid of Roe. But if, in fact, the Federalist Society set them up and put them forward, knowing they were going to do that acting job, get on the court and lie, what could be done about such a scandal since they're not ethics rules don't apply to them? Yeah, well, the idea that ethics rules don't apply to them, that's a choice. That's a choice from Congress. And so I'm so glad that you told your viewers that already Sheldon Whitehouse, my boy Sheldon Whitehouse and my boy Hank Johnson have teamed up to try to start to the process of actually promulgating ethics rules that the Supreme Court would have to live under. This it, it, it is one of the biggest, I think, oversights in American jurisprudence and American government that these nine unelectable, unaccountable justices are subject to no statutory ethics rules. So if you had ethics rules, they they wouldn't be able to do this. But in terms of like the larger scandal, I mean, is anybody surprised? Because that's the other thing here. Like the justices get they get a real, you know, real offended when you talk about hmm. the lack of legitimacy of their institution and their organization. But is anybody left out there truly who truly thinks that you're getting a fair shake? When you go into the Supreme Court, does anybody really not understand that these decisions are predetermined by the judges based on their ideological crusades as opposed to the facts of the case in front of them? Like, is there anybody basically that dumb to st and naive to still believe that? Because if so, I have a bridge I would like to sell them, right? So, like, we yeah. know what the Supreme Court is now. The only relevant question is what we do about it. Yeah, I, I know the outcome of every single case. And I'm not even a lawyer. <laughs> I'm not. I didn't go to law school. But you can tell exactly how these cases are going to come out. Just ask yourself, what do right wing Republican evangelicals want? And they're going to do that. Ellie Mistal, thank you, my friend. Really appreciate you. And up next, after years of turning a blind eye, we don't see anything to so many of his alleged crimes. Republicans have decided that the only crime they really care about is Trump's apparent inability to pick winning candidates. We're back after this.
six years, the Republican Party and their evangelical Christian base have been willing to put their heads in the sand and their courage and moral convictions on the shelf as Donald Trump left his orange stain all over the once grand old party. They didn't seem to blink an eye at the more than two dozen women who have accused Trump of sexual misconduct, including rape. They said nothing as he pushed dangerous conspiracy theories, including continuing to lie that he actually won the 2020 election, which, you know, he didn't. They even defended him after he incited an attack on the U.S. Capitol to try to overturn that election, putting their very lives in danger. The list just goes on and on and on. But apparently there is one sin that Republicans cannot forgive, a line in the sand that even Donald Trump is not allowed to cross. We keep losing and losing and losing. And the fact of the matter is the reason we're losing is because Donald Trump has put himself before everybody else. Personality and celebrity just aren't going to get it done. We can see that. I have a sense the American people want to want a new style of leadership. We get past Trump. We start winning elections. We stick with Trump. We keep losing elections. That's just how I see it. Yeah, that's right. Trump is a loser. It's actually the one thing that you'll find me agreeing with Republicans on. In fact, it appears that the Republicans are so concerned about Trump's stench that they are actively trying to keep him from getting involved in the Georgia runoff election between Senator Raphael Warnock and Herschel I want to be a werewolf walker. What must also be causing the Florida retiree to want to recreate his ketchup-soaked wall down at Mar-a-Lago, but please try not to get any of the ketchup on the classified documents that you probably still have, Donald is the fact that the Walker campaign is not welcoming him in with open arms. Now, they did welcome the help of newly reelected Georgia Governor Brian Kemp, one of the people Trump blames for his Georgia defeat in 2020. And if that wasn't enough, the cherry on top of Trump's two scoops of melted ice cream is the fact that some Republicans are looking at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis as the big catch to help move the crowds for Walker perhaps not noticing his poor record on endorsements outside of Florida this cycle. I mean, anyway, regardless of who Republicans bring to Georgia, they're still left with Herschel Walker as their candidate. That alone should keep the seat in Democrats' hands, at least in theory. However, Republican lawmakers in Georgia are trying every trick in their book to try to tilt the scales in their favor. And we'll tell you what they're up to and which Democratic heavy hitter is on his way to Georgia to campaign with Senator Warnock. And that is next. With just two weeks to go until the Georgia runoff election, Democrats are pulling out all the stops. Former President Barack Obama announced today that he will be hitting the trail next week, campaigning alongside Senator Raphael Warnock, who's fighting to hang on to that crucial Senate seat. While Republicans, on the other hand, are back to the usual tactics of trying to make it as hard as possible for Georgians to vote, hoping only their people can squeeze through the loopholes. Though so far, they're batting zero. Within the last couple of hours, a court of appeals shut down the state's attempt to overturn early voting this coming Saturday, which, by the way, is the only Saturday to cast a ballot before the election. And in most counties, it's the only option to vote on a weekend at all. Joining me now is Charlie Sykes, editor-at-large for The Bulwark, an MSNBC contributor, and Roland Martin, host of Roland Martin Unfiltered, and author of White Fear, How the Browning of America is Making White Folks Lose Their Minds. A subtle title, Roland. I'm going to start with you, because that, that decision to let people vote on Saturday, how crucial is that going to be in Georgia? Well, decision is going to be extremely crucial because, well, first of all, let's understand the Republicans are going to take it, take it even further. But if you look at what they did, 
This is the only Saturday to vote. They were trying to limit to Monday through Friday. Uh, and so and more people are going to be off on Saturday. Uh, they deliberately changed the law after 2020. Runoff shortened from two months to one month. The deadline to register for the runoff was the day before the general election uh, as opposed to after the fact. And so they knew exactly what they were doing uh, by using this state law and Thanksgiving by saying, oh, no elections uh, a couple of days after the holiday. This is the way Republicans try to narrowly use a law to be able to pick off voters because they understand more folks vote, they likely are going to lose. They don't want more people voting. And so they would still still ticked off what happened in 2020. You know, and Charlie, it, that to me sounds like a statement of weakness, to be honest with you. If you're confident, you, you don't try to make it harder for people to come vote on a Saturday, which is a convenient day. But this fight over who should come in and try to help poor Herschel Walker over between the DeSantis camp, right. the Kemp camp, the Trump camp. I mean, Barack Obama's coming. President Obama's coming to help Warnock. Right. What is going on on the other side? Well, um, Georgia has really become ground zero for the, you know, the uh, former president's status as the biggest loser. I mean, think about it. Not only did he lose Georgia in 2020, he managed to lose two Senate seats in 2021. You know, and it's kind of uh, ironic when you think about it that Donald Trump insisted that he won Georgia. He won it bigly. And yet nobody wants him around, um, which is kind of an interesting tell. And and it's an interesting pattern. Uh, he lost the, his presidency in Georgia, Arizona, Pennsylvania, and Michigan, and Wisconsin. Look what just has happened in all of those states um, where, in, in fact, you know, uh, MAGA candidates have managed to turn those states either, either purple or more blue. And this goes to your previous topic. Republicans are looking at Donald Trump and they're seeing this guy is politically toxic. He is a loser. And for a party that has no conscience or principle, that is what's driving their motivation right now. If you're Democrats, you can't worry about any of that. Frankly, they right. should be sending in President Barack Obama. They should be sending in Vice President Kamala Harris. Uh, they should be hitting not just Atlanta, Atlanta but hitting Columbus, Savannah, Athens, uh, hitting all, uh, Statesboro, Swainsboro, looking at where folks were not voting. Because, again, Kemp, they are utilizing the Kemp field operation. Uh, McConnell's folks are already paying for that. They do not want to lose this seat. So Democrats just can't bank on Obama coming to Georgia, excuse me, Atlanta. They got to hit those outlying areas, those rural areas to turn up black turnout there. And let me ask you, this is what I was going to ask you, Roland. I mean, the, the not having Saturday voting was a big deal because in some of these counties, voting is only nine to five during the weekday in Chatham yep. County and other yep. places. Some places it's nine to six. Luckily in Fulton, it's seven to seven. But that means it's really hard for people who work every day to vote. So what are the real chances that Herschel Walker, with, the, with that can't even do an interview by himself, that has to have be accompanied by a, you know, white elder statesman whenever he talks, could actually win? Uh, it's very real. It's down to two people. One of the dumbest people in America is sitting in the United States Senate right now who happened to be a former a football coach, Tommy Tuberville, Alabama. If, if the, I play the audio of him describing the Voting Rights Act. He literally is one of the dumbest people you've ever seen. Herschel Walker could win. Uh, and so people can't play any games. There has to be massive turnout 
And that's why the New Georgia Voter Project, uh, that's why Black Voters Matter, uh, that's why a number of groups, are gonna, they're on the ground, they're doing lots of door knocking because too many of these, and I'll be clear, Democratic white strategists want to dump all the money on TV. No, you got to be touching people on their doors because they're not watching television. They're not looking at digital ads. They, you got to be touching them. And so that's why you're seeing more and more of these rallies. I'm going to be on the ground beginning on Monday, taking my show there, talking to black folks, uh, getting people to understand why we must vote. And I'm real clear. That idiot Walker should not even be near the United States Senate, uh, so Warnock should be there. But Democrats cannot play around. Don't be comfortable because you got 50. You better try to get 51 because you're going to need that for the races in 2024. And and I will uh, go out on the exact note, Charlie, because, I mean, you have seen Republican voters willing to trade in, you know, a Doug Jones, who's a civil rights hero, for right. Tuberville. You've seen them willing to elect right. people like Marsha Blackburn, not exactly a rocket scientist, Sarah Palin. The taste level is different. Let's just put it that way. So what is behind this idea of having someone like Warnock? Because it definitely, I mean, not Warnock, of having someone like Herschel Walker, because it feels like they want a puppet. It doesn't seem like they want a scholar. Sure. Oh, no, they don't want a scholar. They just they they just want a they just want to vote. Um, it will be interesting to see what the motivation to vote now uh, for uh, Herschel Walker to you know sacrifice all of your principles to vote for a hypocrite, um, you know, dumb um, candidate like Herschel Walker when the control of the United States Senate is not in play. It was easier to rationalize when it was all about control. It will be less easy to do that. But absolutely, um, you know, this is a, a razor thin uh, margin. Uh, I think it continues to be insane that that you're even having a runoff, that, that there's even a remote possibility that Herschel Walker could be a United States senator. We can do a whole segment. Oh, I have power. rolling back on to talk about why there's runoffs, because that there's a reason for that. Why it's, you know, it's, it's <laughs> to make sure black people couldn't win. Charlie Sykes, Roland yep. Martin, thank you both very much. That is tonight's readout. You can start your day off right. When you find a professional on Angie to get your plumbing right first. Connect with skilled professionals to get all your home projects done well. Visit Angie.com. You can do this when you Angie that.